Welcome in to the latest edition of the Character Concerns podcast. My name is Christian Ocero. I am joined, as always, by my partner, Jay Binkley. You sure? This time that uh, we're going to do a show? Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're doing a show this time. Sorry about last week, people. Yeah, but, uh, things rain delay crazy. at the baseball stadium with the Royals, so we had to uh, call it late. We're doing it later right. today, later because of, uh, of uh, when Chris gets here and I get here, so we're doing it a little bit later. So we had to do a, a bit of a show yeah. uh, at night with the rain delay. So uh, we're sorry about that. But you know what? I don't think you missed anything because we would have been uh, previewing not a lot of great matchups, so especially with prospect purposes, this last week. But uh, next week, Chris, we have six games between ranked opponents. And, man, do we have some serious prospects. Right. And, and you know, now that we're going to start getting more into conference play, uh, there's going to be a lot of better matchups. And we did see a really good matchup there between Florida and Tennessee on Saturday night. <laughs> fun for you. It was very fun for me. I, I enjoyed that game very much. My Florida Gators prevailed and pulled off the upset against Tennessee, who, by the way, has not won in Gainesville since 2003. So, you know, here's, here's one thing about that game. First of all, uh, you know, props to Graham Mertz. Yeah. Quarter. It wasn't a spectacular game, but he wears Tebow's number. That's a little weird. He wears Tebow's yeah. number. But he's from Kansas City. From uh, Blue Valley North High School, right. uh, leading the Gators, but I'll tell you, his draft stock took a hit. Joe Milton, Joe Milton, man, Joe Milton was a starter at Tennessee, got hurt. Hendon Hooker takes his place. Hendon Hooker's now in the NFL. Hendon Hooker, before he got hurt last year, was on a Heisman trajectory uh, for the Heisman Trophy. Milton has a strong arm. He was supposed to be the guy. Not a good look for that draft prospect. Uh, but we again. You want as many quarterbacks as you can get to go round one. That's why I always pull for these guys because it makes the Chiefs draft pick look better because everybody else is getting quarterbacks. Very yeah. surprised by that game. Yeah, it was uh, – I'm Milton hasn't quite looked the part, and he definitely He's did not. He's got a great arm, too. He, he does have a great arm. He just doesn't have the accuracy. Um, and I think you saw that on display on Saturday night. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a good week of college football. There's a lot of really good games there. Um, but – you know, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, news just came out this afternoon. Kansas City Chiefs have um, agreed to a new contract with Patrick Mahomes. Does not create any new money whatsoever on the deal. But he does get more. They essentially move some of the money that was in the latter part of the deal over to the next four years. It created so, a lot of tweets, though. Yeah, it did. It <laughs> created a, a storm and, you know. Does this change anything for the Chiefs? No, not really. It's, it saves about two and a half million dollars for cap money. Yeah, this year. two and a half to three and a half million. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, it kind of saves conflicting for this numbers year. there. But what they're doing is they can read. In two thousand twenty-six, he'll be one of the most underpaid quarterbacks in the NFL. That's the situation you're looking at. But obviously, they'll give him a new one. They might even restructure it to longer. Remember, this isn't a restructure uh, that he got. It does free up some money, but it's four years. And around $210 million. It's the most we've ever seen in a four-year span. Don't forget, Joe Burrow got a bag, too. And it's five years, $275 million. So, everywhere you crack it, but Burrow, Herbert, uh, Mahomes all making similar kind of money. Mahomes technically making more. They'll readdress this in 2026. But, no, it was something that um, you knew was going to be done. I just I, I didn't think it would take this long. I think they would, I thought they would have had this done. But uh, they need they created some space. Maybe they have a little money to play with now at this point, and still got to get Jones. Once Jake Jones' contract hits, you got to start being able to save some money. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about it is that I don't think it it obviously doesn't change anything right now. 
I maybe the Chiefs decide to go get another guy. I, I'm not sure. I mean, the the financials aren't maybe aren't, Carlos Dunlap. Maybe, guy, but here's the one thing about it: you're getting Aminahue back. What I've always been curious is when you give the quarterbacks the bag, can you still win? Because when you give your quarterbacks the bag, you got to start drafting well. Yeah, and you got to start grabbing uh, guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round to make a difference for your team. All right, we've seen Mahomes get the bag. We've seen Josh Allen get it. You know what? Josh Allen's not exactly delivering Super Bowls. Mahomes won one, and he had 17% of the cap, which is more money than anybody ever made as a starting quarterback winning a Super Bowl. You know why? Chiefs drafted well. They had five rookies last year, defensive backs, playing in that game. They had 61 starts um, by rookies last season. You've got to be able to hit in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. Cincinnati, we're about to find out because they don't pay anybody usually. They didn't pay Burrow. But, again, once you pay the quarterbacks, can you still win? It's very important because you got to draft well and you got to make shrewd moves. You can't just pay Joe Burrow and say, all right, we're good. No, you still got T. Higgins. You got Jamar Chase. You got Tyler Board. You got a lot of stuff going beyond that. But pressure's on front offices. When you pay your quarterback, you better start drafting extremely well. Yeah, and extremely the, well. And the Chiefs have the precedent of having done that the last few years. So they gave um, the bag and they won. Yeah. So it, I, 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 th- I, this doesn't change anything right now. I'll be interested to see if they can restructure some of that contract if they need to. Like for instance, um, they've had the ability to take some of that because most of his money's been paid in roster bonus, not an actual salary. It, it's a floating gift. Yeah. And the way people are looking at, oh, Mahomes underpaid. No, he's not. They, they no. always going to do this. is a handshake agreement right. with these guys. They're going to take care of him. They understand he is the same. Right. But basically the structure is just roster bonus that they can redo every year yeah. when they need to. Yeah. They just have to do it early. Well, I wouldn't be shocked if they could do the exact same thing with this contract now, which means that, all this moving around of money means nothing. If they could just do the same things that they, they were doing before, where you could just take some of that roster bonus money and then spread it out as a, as a, uh, as a, um, a, uh, a, what, what would it be? A, uh, a signing bonus. Yeah. They would restructure it as a signing bonus and then spread it out over the next few years. If they could do that, then it means nothing. Well, it it literally means nothing. When he signed it, they knew they were right. he wasn't going to get it. Because guys were going to get other contracts. <laughs> Ten years, man. Right, yeah. Of course guys are going to get some other contracts yeah. by then. But it frees things up. But one thing is for certain, they had to, draft, they had to get the Trey Smith. You've got to get the Nazi Johnsons. you got to get the, well, Trey McDuffie. Well, let's wait, on Nazi, let's wait on Nazi Johnson first. Well, I know he got hurt this year. They yeah. played the Super Bowl last year. They yeah, liked let's, they wait, liked on, let's wait on Nazi first but he's before one of the we start. Five, like Jalen Watson. Yeah, let's and, wait, let's wait on him on that. Yeah. They look good. They look good. And as I long said, I do believe this is a top 10 defense. But They, they certainly have played like it in the first two weeks of the season. The other big contract that came out, we were going to talk about this last week before the Royals decided that they weren't going to play their game and, and uh, last – Monday is Chris Jones didn't they, they they some people were calling it an extension it's not an extension they just rework his his deal for this year basically putting incentives into his contract allowing him to earn the money back that he lost from the fines and he could earn up to like 800,000 more than what he would have made this year um how like two two part thing here how confident are you that they can bring him back? And if they can't, does defensive tackle now become your biggest concern going into 2024? It has to be. And I'll tell you, I'll add this in too as a little caveat to it. 
with Coburn Snacks from Texas, who I thought was going to get more snaps than any rookie this year from a defensive tackle, was inactive last week. Were you surprised by that? I was a little bit surprised by that because you're thinking, okay, here's a guy for the future for the rotation, like a Derek Nottie type piece on that defensive line, a guy that they got in the draft who they got him later than what probably we thought Coburn might have gone for yeah. this year. But, yeah, it changes things because, again, you can't just go find a Chris Jones. That, that's that been the uh, new thing at the draft this year, and the, especially the combine. Can you play inside and outside? It's what the, these teams love asking these players. The Chiefs went out in free agency and got him in him. It lines up a lot over the over the defensive or over the offensive tackle. He lines up on the outside, lines up everywhere. But this new age style player, like Jones playing outside and inside, is extremely valuable. Something they're all looking for draft picks. Who can be that guy? It's a little bit concerning. I I don't know. I lean towards he won't be back. I leaned a hundred percent that they were gonna get it, give him the extension before training camp. I was the one that really bought in. Uh, to that, I think that they might have thought they were going to get this deal done by then. But it makes defensive line a priority. I put it right there up with the wide receiver um, and tied in for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, defensive line. They've done well with it. We look at how good this defense is. They've they've spent a lot of equity on defensive backs. I mean, you got to think they've spent a lot of equity on this defense. Yeah. Building up the linebacker core, but then there's the Willie Gay issue. You going to bring him back or not? So we got to figure out the linebacker situation. Drew Tranquil came over on a one-year deal. I think they need to extend that deal out. But I don't, Chris Jones wants to be here. You saw his value. You saw his value when he played. He, just the pressure that he did in the beginning, and Karloftis and Mike Dana got half sacks each, all because of Chris Jones. So it's not the sacks he gets. It's what he can deliver. But I'm leaning this point because he's over 30. That doesn't mean a lot to the Chiefs because they do have seven or eight guys on this roster with 30 years old. Some are special talents like Travis Kelsey and – and Harrison Bucker's actually not 30. He's 28 in Winchester and these guys. But I would lean towards no because if Chris Jones has the year I think he's going to, um, he's going to command probably a salary that they can't afford. It's possible. Um, I think that the Chiefs are absolutely going to have to eye defensive tackle this year for sure. I think they, I mean, from what we've heard, they clearly were during the first round with Mozzie Smith. Um, I think that they are very much wanting to prioritize guys that can play on the inside, and it's the reason why Dana has been very valuable for them. And if anything, this could mean that Dana ends up staying on the team longer. Cause and Felix looks good. On yeah, the, they, Fe- they, yeah they, Felix they, looks good. They and spent that, and resources on the edge with two first-round picks in the last two years. And, and, Loftus and, uh, and if Felix continues Felix. to look good, then that – and, and Dana continues to look good as well. Dana probably takes a spot there on the inside, but at least on you pass rushing downs. Yes, yeah, I'm saying. But, like, the biggest thing, though, is you're, you're worried about wh- who's going to be the other defensive tackle. Well, now, if Dana keeps playing well on the inside, he's probably going to be your pass rushing defensive tackle opposite of Minahue on third downs. And then you have Felix and, and Karloftis on the outside. Because clearly they're very comfortable. Dana was kind of playing the Chris Jones role when in week one against the Lions when they did not have him. So I, I think kinda, a Hughes effect changes kind of how they view Jones. Yeah, I, I and certainly, obviously, we still haven't seen him play in the regular season. Well, he's going to come in fresh as hell. Oh, he will. Yeah, he's, gonna have, he's got a lot of weeks to. He's got a lot of weeks to he's rest got his four body. More to go. So, but I, 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 I just feel like. The way that Dan is playing right now, he might be earning himself some more time with the team. 
And I, I certainly think they'll probably look, maybe not first round, because I think that like offensive tackle and uh, and wide receiver might be more pertinent for them. But certainly over the next, I'd say couple, uh, I, I'd say you know second day, they might be looking at defensive tackle there. Go and get you a guy that needs some work, but certainly fits that role that you you like from uh, a standpoint of being more of a pass rusher type. Because right now they've got a lot of run stopping guys like Derek Nadi, but they're going to obviously want to load up and get another guy in the rotation on the inside. Yeah, so. I think the defensive line kind of takes a precedent. I would not go first round on that, as crazy as that sounds. There's good depth at, at defensive tackle on this year's Because draft. I am so much for getting guys that are on um, – um, that, uh, again, Mike Dan is a guy that's an unrestricted free agent this year. So right. finding a guy, they've been very good at finding rotational pieces. Yeah. But me, personally, Chris, I'm loading up the bread and butter of this team, which is their offense. Yeah, I mean, you said that, and then they didn't do that. They didn't do that the last two years. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they, they well, did time. Get, time. Some, get some defense there. It's time. Um, and then you have this great story in the first two weeks of the NFL season. Uh, Puka Nakua, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams, right now leads the league in receptions after he does, the first two he weeks. He had 20 targets. Last week, Puka. Now, this is an example of a guy that basically he there's a lot of combine he didn't do. Ran a four five seven, right. a forty this pro day. But then you think, okay, okay, how would he slip? How would he slip to the fifth round? That's the question. How is a guy this good leads the National Football League in receptions? He had fifteen this past fifteen catches this week to go with ten the week before, hundred yards and back to back games. It, it this is where this is where doing your scouting comes in because this was a guy caught less than 700 yards at BYU but he ran for 200 yards and he's a BYU guy I'm sure there was some interest there with the Chiefs him being a BYU guy and so versatile can play on the inside and outside but Puka is a pure example of grabbing a guy in the fifth round who starts for the team who's been a real surprise and sometimes you have to overlook the 40 times a little bit and look at football speed, and look at route running, and look at football players, and Puka kind of defies that. Eh, he's four, five, seven. That's too slow for a receiver. Well, he's got 25 catches in two games. He is one of those outliers, I think, and he's been a real steal in the draft for the Rams. I think a lot of people just – the problem, in, and I've told this to so many people that have asked me about this, drafting is an inexact science, and it, a lot of times it's really hard to figure out who's good and who isn't, because there's so many different factors that allow people to showcase their talent at the collegiate level. Take a guy like Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, also BYU player. He was a quarterback and really kind of made you know, made his, his uh, name in the COVID year, in 2020, when a lot of these teams were playing consolidated schedules and were not playing a lot of really good teams the outside COVID of conference. quarterback dilemma. Yeah. And so you have a lot of you have this situation where like BYU is not playing a whole bunch of banger teams on their schedule. They they added Coastal Carolina midweek that year. Yeah, like they're not playing a they, they weren't playing this great schedule, and I think that probably affects their reputation. And so you look at their situation. There's probably a lot of people that are like, oh well, you know, he didn't look that great against great competition. It wasn't like 
uh, Rasheed Rice, who went out and had what, th- over thirteen hundred receiving yards at SMU in a in a in a Group of Five conference. It was BYU who was who was independent last year and was not playing the toughest of schedules. It's it'll be different now, I think. But like, I I think a lot of it is also teams do fall in love with the measurables, with the forty times, the cone times, you know what you see at the workout, and. Because of that, a lot of these guys end up slipping through the cracks because you're more worried about the measurables than you are. It's about. less need with these young GMs that does his homework right. and builds a team. Matt Stafford didn't know their names. I remember he was like, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't he know his name. Yeah. But this is a team that's gone young, man. There's two guys over 30 years old for the Rams: mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford. Right. And you give those guys a pass being over 30 years old, but they, they're yeah. building it young and going out and getting a guy like Puka in the fifth round. It reminds me of getting Trey Smith in the sixth round. That everybody else passes on and made mistakes. It made it made sense with Trey Smith at least though because of the medical aspect. Like Jalen Carter, which is my steal yeah. of the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think we all thought that Jalen Carter was going to be the steal of the draft. It was very him falling was like okay, yeah. There's there's going to be some teams <laughs> out there that wish they had taken him. I mean, I understand why they didn't, but uh, I think everyone knew that that kid was going to be really talented. So going on to the weekly prospect recap. I want to start with the guy that we have talked about pretty consistently as the top tight end in the draft class, which is Brock Bowers out of Georgia. And uh, he had in, in, in Georgia's win over South Carolina this past week, seven catches, 54 yards. On the season, he has 13 catches for 135 yards. How are you assessing Brock Bowers' performance thus far in the season? Brock Bowers... I mean, you have to look at the back-to-back national champions and what's uh, what they have a twenty-game winning streak at this point. It was nineteen. It yeah. was the twenty. He's been a big part of that. He's been our best pass catcher at Georgia. He's been their main weapon, but he's starting to draw that uh, attention. He gets everybody's attention because he's you shut down Brock Bowers. That that's who leads Georgia. That's the guy. So he does get extra attention. He's the closest guy, I think, to Travis Kelsey in college football right now. The blends that you know you can split him out wide. You can inside. That catches everything thrown to him. I do like Jatavian Sanders a ton at Texas. Like, I'm a big fan of his. I think those are definitely head and shoulders above the two best tight ends. But I do still think there's a gap between Brock Bowers. I know his production may not want, but he's getting used to a new quarterback now. Stetson Bennett's gone. It's Carson Beck, the quarterback now at Georgia. But he still is that main receiving option, as he has been uh, for Georgia. And I know he is get garnering extra attention. But they haven't really wound things up yet. They haven't needed – well, last week was one of those weeks, okay, they got a new offensive coordinator at Georgia. They're trying to acclimate that because Munkin uh, left this past year, so he's trying to bring Mike Bobo in and trying to change things at Georgia. But I look at, okay, offensive coordinator changes, extra tension he's getting. I still think at this point Brock Bowers is still my top tight end. Because I, I think that you could make a very good case that Jatavian Sanders is catching up to him. He has been more productive this year. Less catches, seven catches. But he has a 158 yards, two touchdowns this year. And we've seen him. It's not just like those Gronk touchdowns where it's just you throw up a 50-50 ball, he really pulls it out. Like they should. Yeah, like he's he's able to – like he's a yards after the catch kind of type. But Alabama, too. he dominated. Yeah, and he that's dominated. Important, who you dominated. Yeah, him. he led the team in, in, in receiving in, in that game against Alabama. And we've seen this guy, you know, catch passes, get yards after the catch for a touchdown. I, I think – Sanders might end up pushing himself up there and really challenging Bowers for that top tight end spot uh, if he continues having the kind of year that he's having. 
Because the athleticism, I think, is the big thing for these tight ends now. And the one thing about but Bauer seems generational to me. It seems like such a, such a fit for the Chiefs' offense and what they like to do. And they covet they kept those SEC guys. I know Texas is going uh, to the SEC. That's fine, but they covet those guys, especially Georgia players. I mean, the Chiefs absolutely love those type of guys. I'll never forget uh, John Dorsey when he had these. The media could go in and watch and ask him draft questions. Right. And one of his biggest sticking points, and he, he was good at drafting. Dorsey was good at drafting. And maybe not signing contracts, but he's good at drafting. Yeah, he's terrible at the, the but contracts. The one aspect. thing that stood out to me was looking at film, and he goes, Who'd you play? Let's watch film of that. Like, I don't, I don't care if you played Middle Tennessee State. Did you play Alabama? Did you play somebody like that? That's where Jatavian Sanders checks the box because of what he did against. Alabama, but he always looked at, okay, who are you doing this game? And Bowers has huge games against great competition. Yeah. So we'll see what happens if we start, you know, migrating here into the uh, into the uh, conference season, although they did play South Carolina. It was a pesky, pesky team for Georgia much of that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at one point South Carolina was looking like they might pull off that upset. So, Which I still put Spencer San- Spencer Rattler maybe in the first round. I definitely don't. Um, <laughs> so now, I disagree. Now making over to the quarterbacks, though. We, I mean, it's very obvious Caleb Williams is that top quarterback still in the draft class. Um, they had the week off this week at Who USC. Play Shadur Sanders in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a big matchup there. But right now, I think there's a very good battle for that number two quarterback spot because you got Drake May, who's not having a an excellent year, but he's having he's still having a pretty good year. The interceptions are up for me. The interceptions are a problem. Four picks this year, but it's just as many picks as he has touchdowns for each. Uh, he has almost 900 passing yards. Then you've got Quinn Ewers, 740 passing yards, eight touchdowns. you got J.J. McCarthy, 716 yards, seven touchdowns, three picks. Probably needs to cut back on those interceptions. Shadur Sanders, you just brought up, twelve over 1,200 passing yards, yeah. 12 touchdowns, one pick. And then the guy that I would take right now as the number two quarterback behind Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington, who who right now leads the FBS in passing yards, 13-32, 12 touchdowns, one pick. I, that's my guy. Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington is my guy. Even though he's got great weapons there, he's my guy right now that I would take if at the second quarterback behind Caleb Williams. Oh, I've been a huge you? Penix fan the whole time, man. Yeah. You know, man, my feelings on Michael Penix. And you look at those receivers with Jalen McDonald. He's got two NFL wide receivers. He's got two NFL wide receivers. It's important. But Penix is delivering. A former Indiana quarterback that transferred to Washington his second year there. You're not going to get any arguments with me on Penix because I love the way that he plays, calm and cool in the pocket. Uh, Shadur Sanders probably doing the most, the least, like all these new faces and, you know, what he's doing at Colorado with, with this offense. Because He's press, got some good receivers. No, he does. Oh, great receivers. Like Hunter and Weaver are very good they receivers. They bring in two for South Florida. Yeah. His transfers. But the one thing about Shadur is, is Colorado had two receivers over 100 yards all of last season. <laughs> there was four in week one Well, for yeah, they, they brought in a brand new crop of receivers. Yeah. That's why he's not throwing to the same guys. So I, I think that's that's made it easier for him to, to go out there and succeed. In leadership coaching, man, that's – they can't be slided. That's why I looked at, like, Bryce Young in this year's draft class. All right, the guys really like him. Yeah. Like, he takes the guys out to eat, hangs out with them. It's that Mahomes effect, man. Mahomes sits there and plays video games with people. Marquez Valdez-Scanton has these celebrity softball games. Mahomes shows up. Like, it matters. That, that quarterback leadership stuff 
does matter. Yeah, I agree with you on 100%. that. 100%. And, and I think it's that that's one of the biggest things. Yeah, I, I do think it is. I, and that's a big part, him being the coach's son. It's like Zach Wilson, who, who really follows and rallies behind him and runs through a wall for him. No, yeah. well, nobody does. Yeah, or, he doesn't know, really you know saying, seem I mean, like he has much Blake leadership Burrow, qualities. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, they do. Yeah. I, I To me, the, the whole interesting thing about this scenario is that um, for me, I look at like who looks the most comfortable running their offense. Who looks the most comfortable making those big time throws right now? I mean, I think it's I think it's Michael Penix Jr. right behind Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams right now is doing things that you just don't see players do. I'm at with the you, Penix. Level. I'm with you, Penix. I I think I think right now if I if I were to take a bet on who's going to be the second quarterback taken, I think Michael Penix Jr. is your guy, and that doesn't mean that Drake May can't you know surpass him and get back up there, but like. Penix is leading college football right now in in passing yards. He's tied for third in in touchdowns thrown. So the the man knows what he's doing. And as far as May, you got to be one thing you have to be careful. I remember Josh Allen didn't have a good last year at Wyoming. He did the year before right. when he was losing the other, yeah, yeah. you know when they played the power five teams he'd lose. And he didn't have a good year, and I was like, oh, it's going to hurt him through the draft. So sometimes you have to be careful. I mean, it did hurt him stuff. a bit, but it Penix. Did Hey, there's there's four quarterbacks that are outstanding in the Pac-12. Right, hundred percent, they're outstanding. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I I'm really excited about watching Washington take on some of those other teams, take on Oregon, take on USC there in the uh, in the Pac-12 because that's going to be a really fun matchup, and you're probably going to see him be in a position where he can improve his draft stock even more. Um, and then uh, as far as the the final topic here in our on our uh, prospect watch here. Um, Jared Verse. Jared Verse has long been considered the top edge rusher and the pass rusher in general in this draft class. I think, though, one name that we're kind of sleeping on, Liatu Latu, UCLA. This kid, he can play on the edge. He can play on the inside. He's about 6'3", 6'4", 265. Big kid. Got four sacks already. In three games this year for the Bruins. Big thing, last year, this kid was 10 and a half sacks. He's already almost 40% of the way there after three games. Obviously, I don't think it's fair to expect him to just go out there and, you know, rack up a sack every single game. But I think Latu could put himself in that position to where we are having a discussion about who the top edge rusher is in, you know, come springtime as we get ready for the draft. You know that versatility. He's got an interception. He's got an interception, Yeah, they do, they do everything with him. But 6'5", 265 for Latu, and we get to see him this week in a good game. It's it's a Utah, UCLA, Utah. Not sure if Cam Rising, the quarterback from Utah, is going to be back yet for this one. Yeah, he's, he's been hurt all year. He has been, but it's one of those top four quarterbacks in the Pac-12. But, you know, top 25 matchup, again, one of these great matchups, UCLA going against Utah. This will be a good game for Latu. This will be a great game. We're going to be watching him a lot in this game. So getting on to our money makers there, players that we think have made themselves the most money here uh, over the last week, in this case, last two weeks. Um, I got a couple of guys that I think have made themselves a lot of money. Number one, I just brought him up. Michael Penix Jr., quarterback out of Washington. Um, I very much think that people were buying it, like still giving Drake May that number two spot. I think now Drake Mays very much, especially because of the turnovers. And, you know, I, I say this about quarterbacks at the collegiate levels. If they have turnover problems at the collegiate level, 
they're probably going to struggle at the professional level. It was one of the things that uh, concerned me about Josh Allen a little bit when he was in college, and it, it's gotten worse now. Like, it, was, it wasn't much of a problem the last few years. This year, it's, it's, it, hasn't, it hasn't been good thus far. And it really, over the last few years, in key games, he's had issues with turnovers. Um, Sam Darnold was a guy that had turnover issues when he was at USC. Now he's a backup. He's the, he's the backup in, in San Francisco because he can't, can't hold on to the football. Um, Drake May, I think, has hurt himself with those interceptions. And a guy in Michael Penix Jr. who had an opportunity to really improve his draft stock, I think, has really grabbed the bull by, his, by the horns there. And I think he's made himself some money. And teams keep winning. It's important that they, North Carolina... And, uh, and one of his top targets can't play. The transfer from right. State can't play with North Carolina at this right. point. That's been Which an, an is issue. unfortunate. And that's that, been an issue. It's I know ridiculous. Mac Brown's been very unhappy with that. When you got guys playing for three and four schools, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, wait, where's Eric Gilbert at now? And JT Daniels, the quarterback of yeah. Rice. He's starting quarterback at West Virginia. <laughs> I know. Rice. Is it on his USC, third team? Georgia. He's no, on his fourth. He's his fourth team The only now. quarterback to start a four different <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Division ridiculous. One team. It's ridiculous. And, I mean, I remember watching him play at West Virginia last year, and then now he's at a new school. So, yeah. um, very unfortunate there for, for North Carolina and for Drake May. Another guy, I think, has really stepped his game up this year and really, I think, he's not going to be a first-rounder because he's a running back. Um, but Audrey Esteem from Notre Dame, who has just been on fire, uh, leads FBS in rushing yards right now. He's tied for fourth in rushing touchdowns. Uh, this past week, 20, touch, 20 carries for 176 yards and a touchdown. Um I, I definitely think his quarterback, Sam Hartman, has been good as well and certainly has helped the team. But Esteem is just out there. He's a, he's, a, he's a true workhorse. And at the collegiate level, having a true workhorse running back helps make your team a hell of a lot better. And I think he's in a position where he could be a second-day pick for a team that's, that has one of these running backs that are looking for a second contract. He's averaging 8.3 yards a carry. I know, it's that ridiculous. Almost first down it's ridiculous. He had uh, his past week 8.8 yards per carry, the week before 9.6, then 8.9, then 5.9 was his low point. Yeah, he's getting the job done. Uh, definitely Penix on there. My guy that's kind of really standing out, too, is obviously I'm going to stay with Penix because it's ridiculous numbers. Like, yeah. the text you up there, you're like, hey, you see what Penix is doing? Yeah, he's killing it right he's now. Like, he's, like, throwing up these these uh, massive numbers uh, that we haven't seen anymore. But this is a guy that uh, I know I know that uh, Hunter gets all the credit and stuff for Colorado, but there's a receiver that's really, really showing up for uh, the Colorado Buffaloes. And um, I know you talk about And that's Xavier Weaver. Yeah. And I've been impressed with this guy since the beginning. Against TCU, 6 for 118. He was the forgotten guy. Nobody's talking about him. Then he follows it up against Nebraska with 10 for 170. Then against Colorado State, 9 for 98 and a touchdown. So touchdowns are back-to-back weeks. But Xavier Worthy may not have the size you're looking for. He's 6'1", 170. Could add some more weight to him at 6'1". But keep an eye on Xavier Weaver uh, from Colorado. This is... And you know what? He's with Hunter being out the next three weeks because that cheap shot, which sucks. Yeah, that uh, you're going to see a lot of Xavier Weaver. I, I think that, and and I agree with you. I think he's top five right now in in receiving yards in the FBS. Um, he's definitely a guy. I think, especially with Hunter being out, he's actually. It's funny because like you know everybody's been talking about Travis Hunter. He's been their best wide receiver in Colorado. <laughs> he's well, killing it. Well, right Horn's now. been good too. Horn's been good to too. transfer. But the thing about the thing about Weaver is, all right, he's got 25 catches, Horn 26. But here's yeah. the difference. 15.4 right. average yards per reception for yeah. Weaver. Horn's at 9.5. Yeah. 
A hundred was at thirteen point three, but fifteen point four, and you yeah. got twenty five catches. Right, you are creating some separation. That's what I'm saying. Field. He's this making, is what you're looking for. In a yeah, wide he's a he's a big play guy. He's a guy you could throw to down the field. Again, he's been their best wide receiver this year, and it's just I think he could. He's kind of putting himself up to there where he could be, uh, maybe a second or third round pick, late second, somewhere early to mid third round pick. He could be a very good option for a team looking to get a steal on the second day. For the South Florida transfers. He had or the two leading yeah. receivers call around yeah, he South was, Florida. Yeah. And they could have used him against Alabama. Right. He's a he's a senior this year for uh for uh, Colorado from South Florida. Uh spent a lot of years. I've, I've, he was three years there, um, pretty productive last couple years, but this year he really is really starting to take off there. And I think one of the things you're noticing with these receivers, this is just a different class because they're bigger. Yeah, all, of, all these receiver, all these yeah. guys are big. All six these guys two, are six, three, five six, eleven four. plus. This is a this is a good year for the uh, teams like the Chiefs looking for that uh, guy. Yeah, I mean, this is a year where the Chiefs don't have to go first round. Yeah, with the receiver, they could afford to go get one second, third day. I mean, second day, maybe your early third day, but probably second day, and you could get someone that kind of fits the mold of what they like with the speed. And the the versatility as far as being able to move inside outside, there's going to be options there. I think for them, um, certainly obviously. Cause, cause, you know, I never bought the excuses that were used in receivers last year. I was like, you know, sit there and watch Zay Flowers, see what yeah. he can do. He's been great. He's been great. He's been awesome. And some of these rookie receivers have been good. And we talk yeah. about Puka going to the fifth round. I mean, the receivers are there, and this year <clears throat> the receivers are going to get a lot of talk, just like the quarterbacks, right, obviously, because right. this we could have the more quarterbacks draft in the first round. Than we did going back to 1983. Yeah, it, it could be. It, it is very possible that it's a record year for the uh, for the quarterback in the position. first round. In the first round, so want to get to our week four watch list: teams to watch, players to watch. Um, I think the big one, <laughs> the one that everyone's going to be talking about this week: Colorado taking on Oregon. Uh, Colorado has become box office television. They have become the most interesting team in college football. And you've got big quarterback matchup here. Shador Sanders, potential first-round quarterback. Bo Nix, probably not a first-round. You heard him talked about at the beginning of the year. Not quite there right now. Maybe a second-day guy. Bo Nix was looked at as a first-round guy. Yeah. Shador was Potential not. late first-round. Now, yeah. Shador. Now, Mel Kuyper is his third-best quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Mel Kuyper's Mel Kuyper, though. Um, but Bo Nix is probably going to be, I think, somewhere in the mix second-day uh, going to be a project guy similar to like Hind- what Hendon Hooker was. Penzo, man, he, he's still flirting with first round. Possibly. I, I kind of have my doubts about Knicks. But you also have uh, Xavier Weaver, who we just talked about, wide receiver for the uh, Colorado Buffaloes, and Brandon Doria's defensive end out of Oregon. Yeah, it's a flexible big guy that you can put on the end. But watch watch what uh, what uh, Dorius does as far as way he can get to the quarterback and disrupt things. Right, and 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 the thing is, is Colorado doesn't really have; they're not really great on the on the line on this, either side. This is number nineteen versus number ten yeah. in college football. Colorado, you're right about the attention. So I'm, I'm coming home last night after the Chiefs game, and there's Deion Sanders, but it was he was 60, on, he was on it was sixty minutes. It was on sixty minutes. So last week they had the Pat McAfee show there. They had college game day, yeah. big noon kickoff, and you had 60 freaking men. I know, right? At Colorado. I was like, he's become oh. the biggest story in the sport. And his sunglasses because of Norvell's comments? Yes. That's now made $4.5 million off Bender's sunglasses that sells the Dion. Blender. Bl- blenders, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, Blender sunglasses. 
Theon knows what he's doing. You know, yeah. those things out on the set, the McAfee. And he was guys. giving he was giving them out to his players and after Stephen Jay Norvell Smith, was know, running his Stephen mouth. Stephen A. Smith and stuff. Man, that's just like the marketing. Dion knows what he's doing. Dion Dion is a marketing genius. I actually I'm not. I don't want to get a pair of the black or gold ones that that are his brand. I want to get a pair of the gray ones that they have on there in the store. Really like those. But on a side note, I love seeing the Rocky Mountains behind it. Yeah, it's and cool. That, that whole scene. It's nice to see football. Uh, back in Colorado, but he's got the blue. I mean, again, eighty new players through the portal, and you know people are complaining about the portal. Hey, this is what teams do. It yeah. used to be all right. Let's grab as many JUCO guys as we can. Now it's the portal, and you're getting NFL caliber players in yeah. the portal. And or it was let's load up on as many players at each position as we possibly can. And now teams can't overpromise because it, like before you had to sit out a year, so you had to waste a year yeah, of eligibility. We're talking now you can't. We're talking now you don't need years, to portal. Michael Penix Jr. portal, Bodex yeah. portal. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jalen Hurts was a portal Junior guy. Sanders Joe portal. Burrow was a portal they guy. They were the portal. <laughs> All these guys are are going through the portal now. That's right. So this idea, like teams can't, like like Alabama can't over-recruit and just store guys on their roster. And scouts have They're to figure leave. out where the hell you went. Exactly. <laughs> the Southeast scout, now they're looking at the, the, the West Coast. Exactly. So these guys are going to leave now. So teams can't over-recruit. So it's hurt teams like Alabama and Clemson yeah. who were regular over-recruiters. Now they can't do that because if they do, those guys are just going to dip and go elsewhere. So the transfer portal is big. The biggest thing that's hurt Clemson, the fact that they haven't, they don't use the transfer portal, which is the reason why Clemson right now is losing relevancy in college football. Another big matchup that's going on. It's free to see what NFL talent. Is. <laughs> I know yeah, right? it's it's awesome. I love it. Uh, number twenty, Miami is going to take on Temple. Uh, we have talked about Miami all year long. Miami might have the best offensive line in college football this year. Uh, it's either them or Notre Dame. Both tackles are going to be players to watch. And the guard, Nelson. Cohen, the transfer from Alabama, exactly, was yeah. an all-SEC guy at yeah. Bama now at Miami. But, yeah, Francis Mawigoa and Zion Nelson, both tackles there. If you're a Chiefs fan, you should be watching these guys because the Chiefs are very likely, I think, to take at least one tackle in this year's draft, in next year's draft. Um, I, I think Donovan Smith is not long for Kansas City. There are times where he just looks like he is – he looks his age. Yeah, you're looking at first round, and you're thinking, okay, you want wide receiver. Well, at least I want wide receiver. But then you can be sold into tackle, and you can be sold in defensive lineman. Yeah, I think I think tackle might be a, a, a priority position just because of how hard it well, is to find. Well, even that's in Miami that was at Alabama as a guard. Yeah. Because you got to figure stuff out here, all right? You're paying Tooney all that money, and they're going to have to pay Trey Smith down the line too. Yeah, I think they would – I think I, – and, and certainly guard, though, is probably is probably like maybe third day, I think, yeah. if they if they go that route. Third day. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Chiefs decided Nick Allegretti be the starting left guard in the future, for at least for, the, for now. Because, like, the Chiefs guard, they don't really put a ton of value in, aside from the Tooney contract. It's not a position they go super high on. Tackle, though, they value it a lot. So, to me, tackle is going to be a big position. And then defensive tackle, because we don't know what the future is with Chris Jones, Leonard Taylor, for sure. Um, Arkansas taking on LSU, number 12 in the nation. Uh, now that we're looking at wide receivers, because the wide receivers haven't been that great in Kansas City. Wide receiver Malik Neighbors at LSU might not be there late first round, but you never know. Let's introduce you to Malik Neighbors. He is a he's a, a reception machine, PPR machine. If, if there was, you know, if you're doing any sort of uh, college football fantasy, uh, he's top five in the in the in the. I think he's number three in the nation in, in receptions. 
Um, but Neighbors is going to be a guy to watch. And one, um, one thing about Neighbors is, I mean, we're talking text guys. I remember I used to text Trez all the time. We text yeah. back and forth, yeah. like juice players. Right. Malik Neighbors, this is, this is He had a massive big, game this past He's 6'200". Again, we're talking big receivers. Yeah. He had 13 catches for 239. I remember texting you at halftime. You did. He was like, what, 9 at 180? He was like one, 183 or 189, yeah, something like that. And he ends yeah. up with 13 for 239. He had 5 for 87 and 6 for 87 or 67 the first two games. But yeah. he exploded. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, already three touchdowns on the year as well. But watch Malik Neighbors. That's in Mason Smith. Those are the defensive yeah. tackle who did not play in that first game. Did not Florida play State. in the first game against Florida State, but that's a guy I, I think definitely Mason Smith you want to watch out for because the Chiefs, he's probably not going to be a first-day guy. But second day he might end up getting his value right there. If you're a Chiefs fan, you want to be looking out for that because defensive tackle is going to be a very big position, I think, for the Chiefs in the draft. Also, I put Makai Wingo. I mean, they're loaded uh, defensive tackle. He's yeah. one of the better defensive tackles. LSU usually has a good stock of defensive Savion line. Savion Jones yeah. is another guy, a defensive end for uh, for LSU. And Ryan right. Sage, the safety, uh, they could do a lot of different things, nickel or play safety for LSU. Right. But a lot of players to watch on there for LSU. That defensive line, that's <laughs> it's an NFL factory. Um, they're, and as far as Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson, yeah. only, only reason being, how many quarterbacks can he get? Because he was mocked in the first round early on. I don't yeah, think don't, he's a first-round quarterback. First quarterback. I think he's um, probably a third day. And uh, Bo Lemur, he's an offensive guard. So he's a center for Arkansas. Play, interior play, offensive line. play uh, we'll just go offensive guard at the next level. Yeah, yeah. interior offensive lineman. We'll go with that designation. Then you have Rutgers at number two, Michigan. Defensive tackle Chris Jenkins is going to be a guy to watch for. Um, and I mean, he's an athletic freak. Also, I'd say top five defensive tackle. Yeah, you have J.J. McCarthy, who could be a first-round quarterback. Um, two running backs there that I think are going to be very interesting to watch are Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. I think it's the best tandem. Out of Michigan, best tandem in college football right now. Um, both of those guys, I think both those guys go second day. I think for sure second day, both of those guys are going there. Um, Texas, number three, going to, going to Waco to play against the Baylor Bears. Um, the guy that we're probably going to be talking about so much, Jatavian Sanders, mm-hmm. playing for Texas. He's, I think he's, I think he is creating a case. It's not super strong right now because Bowers has more of a of a uh, of a work, you know, a work history, a nice little uh, work history that we can look at and say, hey, you know, we know what he can do. But Sanders is showing something. I think he's shown something throughout the the, the short season that we've had thus far. Um, I think he very well has another chance to make a case for him being the the top tight. No end. question, they're two leading receivers. Xavier Worthy, another guy at wide receiver. You want That's to watch. an option. A That's guy an over option. six foot. Another mm-hmm. guy at six foot. Uh, what is uh, Xavier Worthy? Six one one seventy two. Yeah, but Worthy sixteen for two twenty one this year. Sanders is interesting to me, and I even tweeted out, which I don't do a ton of during games, but occasionally I do when things piss me off, and not throwing to uh, Sanders against Rice was pissing me off because we struggled there for a while. <laughs> they were. Two for 44 and a touchdown, yeah. right? He's a big play. Then five for 114 against Alabama, but threw the ball to Jatavian Sanders. And then uh, there's also a defensive tackle. that they've, they've actually got a couple of guys at Texas. Tavondre Sweat, and they also got Byron Murphy the second Defensive tackles there for Texas. Both guys to watch for. 
And then, obviously, quarterback Quinn Ewers, who could be a first-round pick at quarterback there for Texas, is another. I think he's as good as locked himself in the first round. Yeah, he's another uh, transfer portal guy from Ohio State. So Skipped the uh, senior year of high school. Yeah, just skipped it and was like, eh, no, I'm going to just go to college. Um, then probably, I mean, I think from a, a quality standpoint, it probably is the best game for uh, of the week, even though Colorado and Oregon is going to be the most hyped game of the week. Ohio State makes the trip over to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. So many guys to watch here in this game. Uh, both tackles for Notre Dame in Joe Alt, Blake Fisher. Those are, again, options for the Chiefs. If they like the wanna, best tackles in college. I th- Can them. Not the best to the best. Tackles, I think there's a tandem. very, I think there's a very good chance that you're right about that. Like either them or the or the tackle tandem in Miami. Um, these are going to be guys to watch because one of them could be a chief. Uh, probably more than likely Blake Fisher than Joe Walt. Um, at the, in that scenario, wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., who's still probably locked in as the top he has wide exploded receiver. Exploded the last two weeks. Yeah, he played like. He yeah, had the fastest time in college football. He's over twenty-two miles an hour. Yeah, he's kill- He's killing it right now yeah, after uh, some hiccups it. early in the season. Yeah. And then uh, Emeka Egbuka, their other wide receiver on the opposite side there for Ohio State, that's going to be an option for sure. Um, and Jack Sawyer, one of the edges, right? Another one of the edge rushers, JT. Uh, I I don't want to butcher his yeah, name. I, I don't well, have I, it in I front will. of me. Uh, I don't, I don't have way. his name in front of me right two now. Receivers to I don't watch, want to butcher. Two receivers Both edges to watch for Ohio State. They're absolutely loaded. Yeah. So that's, but that's, the Chiefs don't go Ohio State. Yeah, they don't. So that, again, may not mean much. But, again, the, the two tackles there for uh, for uh, Notre Dame could be options for them as well. And Cam Hart, the corner for North Carolina, that's right. a guy, too, I think is going to be garnering some right. you know, day two attention. I think so, too. I think, I think so, too. Then Cal Washington – this I think for the Chiefs, this could be a very big matchup there, mainly because of the wide receivers. Because you got Roman Odunzi, Romo Odunzi, and you've got Jalen McMillan. I don't think Odunzi will be there late in the first round. I do think Jalen McMillan could be an option. McMillan could be still there at that time. And he might be the better of the two. He might be the more electric of the two and fit in more with what the Chiefs like to do. And Cal doesn't have anybody to watch. No, there's nobody to watch. (laughs) Like, literally, I I think I have one prospect on my watch list from Cal. That's it. Uh, But, yeah, this is all about Penix Jr., uh, Odunzi and and McMillan, those are the three guys you want to watch here. Because uh, with uh, Rome Odunzi, he's got twenty two for four nineteen, right? Which is insane. Yeah, he's had and, a hell of a Jaylen year. Jalen McMillan twenty for three eleven. I mean, those yeah. guys, those guys have delivered. Um, Jalen had that uh, one hundred twenty yard game two weeks ago, ninety six this past week. But again, the averages twenty four, fifteen, and eleven point nine. I mean, fifteen point six on the year. Again, you're talking separation. And you're talking Jalen McMillan, another guy over six. Yeah, and he's a big. And the thing is, he's a big play guy. He's a down the field type of guy. Penix will throw it up there. He'll go get it and and score. You know, he'll go win a fifty fifty ball and and score on it. So he might be a, a really great option late first round for the Chiefs if he's available there. Um, and then our final game to watch out for, watch for this weekend: Florida State at Clemson. Clemson has some good players. They don't have quite the the breaking game breaking talent that they've once had. Florida State though has a ton. The wide receiver options here I think are great. Johnny Wilson Jr. 
probably a mid first round guy. I can see a lot of people talking themselves into him. Similar like he's six seven. Big six seven. He's basically just a more mobile tight end. He's a Mike Evans type of guy. And then you have Keon Coleman, who is also big. He's six four. Yep. But he does not play like Former he's Kansas, a big guy. Uh, Former Kansas recruit. Uh but Keon Coleman is a very athletic six four. He's not a big He's not a he, he doesn't play like he's six four. He plays like he's like six foot. And he's a guy that can do, go fade, but he can also catch it and run. Um Johnny Wilson Jr. plays very much kind of just like a tight end, basically, even though he's a wide receiver. This is the early one, eleven AM. Yes. I, I will say this though, a couple guys on Clemson. Well, obviously Jared Verse, though him on yeah, the Jared Verse, yeah. Florida State. But Jeremiah Trotter plays middle linebacker at yeah. Clemson. And Barrett Carter plays yes. the Will linebacker. They've got Again, good linebackers. If you're, there. Yeah, they do. Clemson can go around. And also, um, it's safety. Andrew uh, Makuba mm-hmm. is a good safety form in their corner, Nate Wiggins. So, again, their defense at Clemson, corner safety. Right. And in the middle linebacker uh, with Trotter and Barrett Carter, their will linebacker, are could be options for Kansas City. Wiggins could be a mid to late first round pick. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be very interested in corner this year. So, that could actually be something that helps get one of those wide receivers or tackles to the Chiefs where they would like to be able to pick them late in the first. So, um, but yeah, I think this is, you know, with the Colorado-Oregon matchup and with the Ohio State and Notre Dame matchup, two really big games there to watch. Still, tons of great prospects. The wide receiver class looks so much better this year. I even can't though, wait to the combine of the wide receiver. Day. Oh, man, me too. Me too. I'm really excited. <laughs> even though last year's class, I think, was very underrated. Uh, they were underrated. Like Jalen Hyatt had like 89, two receptions they, they, for 89 they, they yards last week. For no reason. Yesterday. So, like, I think, I think a lot of people took a crap on that receiver class a little bit unnecessarily. And these guys are showing what they can do. So, you've got some options here. There's a lot of good receivers to watch out for. There's some good DTs to watch out for as well. Didn't even bring up Jason Newton for Illinois, who Illinois has been having a terrible year this year. Um, I don't think Bielema was long for that All team. American. They, they, they lose three guys in the first three rounds right. of the draft It's last been year. tough. And yeah. that's not including Chase Brown, They're right. lead, one of the leading rushers. Yeah, who got, yeah, who got drafted. Yeah, but so. they lose three defensive players in the first three rounds. Yeah, it's been tough for them. They have not done a very good job. Bielema didn't do a very good job of making sure he had some guys lined up to replace that talent. And they lose so, their defensive coordinator. Yeah, they, they also lost him as well. So it's been tough for, for Illinois there. But certainly, if you want to catch Illinois, Jerzon Newton, their their top defensive tackle, they're who I've seen a lot of stuff, him being the top uh, defensive tackle. That's another guy to watch out for. But with that, we leave you. We finish it off for the week. Um, next week, we will have more reactions to the performances of the top recruiting talents out there. We'll also keep you up to date on how some of these Chiefs rookies are doing because um, – I think there's some guys that we've talked about, that we've hyped up, that are starting to show a little something, and I think we could talk about that. We can elaborate more on that next week. So it was disappointed Snacks was an active. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then also on top of that, we will preview you with the top matchups, the watch list, best prospects to watch out for. Again, thank you for listening to us. For Jay Binkley, I'm Kirsten O'Hara, and this has been Character Concerns.